0: Our second lesson today comes from the lectionary for this day. I'm reading the last few verses from Luke chapter 10. So listen, keep listening, opening for God's word. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. So how are you? Or maybe more specifically, how are you doing? Or in another region of the country, they may say, how you doing? I'm asking this in the middle of the summer. And I'm asking this in light of this passage from Luke chapter 10. About Mary and Martha. How are things going? I'm also asking this aware that many of us have various issues that we are dealing with in our hearts and in our lives. We have personal concerns that challenge us. We're moving through transitions as a church, as a city, as a world. We have heartaches and hopes that we carry and try to balance. How are you? Maybe one of the problems of our life and our world is how we think about how we're doing. If we woke up with food in the house, from a comfortable bed, after a good night's sleep, with access to medical care and doctors, then we should be mostly grateful. Because, as you know, we're better off than about four billion people in the world and better off than most human beings across the history of the world. But that's not the main point, at least not today, as we look at this passage from Luke 10. The point has to do with our fundamental sense of wholeness and hope, our fundamental sense of connection to God and God's purposes. Now, I would bet that most of you are somewhat familiar with this passage from Luke about two women, Mary and Martha, But did you hear, and I mean really hear, what Jesus said to Martha? He called her name twice. And then he says, you are worried and distracted by many things. Worried and distracted by many things. I think those words might allow some powerful connections to you and to me, because those words just might be pretty descriptive of our lives. It's so easy to get worried and distracted. We worry about our kids. We worry about our parents. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our loved ones. We worry about church members who are going through turmoil what they're dealing with. We worry about our culture. So much polarization and tension, especially this week, following the Zimmerman trial in Florida. We seem to want access to guns and we want stand-your-ground laws, yet we also need safety and justice. And it's not working out too well, it seems. we got work to do. We seem to want healthy cities and prosperity, but we sense fresh fear on our streets and growing disparity between rich and poor people and increasing doubt about how far we've actually come in terms of equality and justice. There's much to worry about. There's much that distracts us. We worry about ourselves. We worry about particular things that are part of our life. We worry about the seeming imbalance or the inability to balance freedoms and justice. We worry about the ongoing struggle with racial tensions. We worry about marriage equality issues. So many others. How are you doing? How are you doing? Here's what the esteemed preacher and scholar Fred Craddock says. It doesn't matter whether you're on the central podium at the Olympics with the gold medal around your neck and tears running down your face when they play the national anthem, or you happen to be wheeled to that same ceremony in a wheelchair because you have muscular dystrophy. Your need is the same. It doesn't matter if you're at the peak of your income power or whether you lean your face across the post office counter and ask the clerk, are the checks late? The need is the same. It's the same. Jesus calls us by name, by name, and says, you are worried and distracted about many things. One thing is needful. I think Jesus' message today speaks an important word for us, especially where we might find ourselves worried and distracted. Let's look first at the specifics of this particular story. This story, you might remember, comes right after the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And Fred Rose preached about the Good Samaritan last Sunday. This story, you recall, of the Good Samaritan reminds us to love our neighbor, to show mercy. Jesus asked the lawyer, which one of the three men passing along the road was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer responded, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Then the narrative in Luke's gospel moves to this story from the road with the Samaritan into a private home where two women show hospitality to Jesus. Now my friend and professor at Union Seminary, John Carroll, has a wonderful new commentary out on the gospel according to Luke. And Carol notes that it's not clear what contact, if any, these two women, Mary and Martha, have had with Jesus. Though Martha calls him Lord. They appear, Mary and Martha, in the narrative for the first time. And they're placed in a generic village in their house. And Jesus visits. Martha is the one who comes and welcomes Jesus. Welcomes now, to welcome people, remember, is an important act of faith. Hospitality has always been a prime feature of what it means to be faithful. And it's urged from us over and over all through the Old Testament and especially in the story we just heard prior to the Mary and Martha story, the Good Samaritan. In other words, Martha is doing what the Good Samaritan story teaches. She shows extensive hospitality. The Greek word here describing Martha's actions in this story, diakonia, that's the classic word for Christian ministry, for hospitality, for love, for serving, for compassion, for care. And it's called forth from all of us. Diakonia. But then Already in the next verse, verse 39, in contrast to Martha, Mary postures herself as a disciple who listens, who welcomes Jesus' words. She sits and listens to his words. So the juxtaposition of Martha's classic diakonia With Mary's receptivity to the word of Jesus, is making a powerful point that we're meant to pay attention to. Faithful action, doing, loving, living well, serving, caring for others, all of that emerges from or intends to emerge from our receptive attention to the word of Jesus. This passage wants to remind us, especially those of us who tend to be more like Martha, busy, active, doers of the word, we have to hear before we act. We have to sit still and listen before we can go. We must receive before we seek to share. In this particular scenario, in order to make an important point about balanced faith and life, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen it. Bible professor John Carroll reminds us that the critical teaching of the story of Martha and Mary is how receptive attention to the Word must keep company with the faithful action in the world. Our calling as disciples is not to just do and go and serve. We have to hear and then do. We have to sit and learn and then we can love and serve. We have to receive and absorb before we can act and exhibit the kingdom of heaven in this city and in the world. As our own mission statement in this church reminds us, we seek to know Christ and make Christ known. Friends, we can't make Christ known without knowing Christ. This is the essence of the Mary and Martha story. Jesus is not speaking against Martha by any means. Showing hospitality is lifted up as a prime attribute of Christian faith. Jesus is only accentuating the importance of learning and listening as the framework for our going and our doing. So discipleship then has a rhythm. And all of us are seeking to move from membership to discipleship. Discipleship has a rhythm. We breathe in Christian formation and we breathe out Christian mission in the world. We breathe in the words and the wonder of Jesus. We breathe out hospitality and love and outreach to the city. We breathe in God's presence and we breathe out God's Purposes. We breathe in the history of God's abiding faithfulness. I will never leave you. We breathe that in so that we can breathe out God's justice and God's intentions for the kingdom coming in our midst. We breathe in Jesus' words of forgiveness and grace so we can breathe out words about peace and wholeness for everyone Because that's what God intends. It has a rhythm. So how are you doing? How are we doing? At the risk of sounding simplistic and therefore unrealistic, I think this passage is urging us, especially as we seek to be active doers in the world, as Second Presbyterian Church, which we are, this passage is urging us to stay rooted and stay connected, to stay informed, and stay formed in our faith. This passage is reminding us that discipleship begins at Jesus' feet, breathing in Jesus' Spirit so we can embody Jesus' Spirit on these streets and as far as we can go in the world. Look, what if When we find ourselves worried and distracted by whatever is going on in our lives, transitions, concerns about our children, worries about our jobs or what the future holds, what if we put ourselves in Mary's posture at Jesus' feet? How would that change how we think? How would that change how we feel? What if we gave attention to listening and learning about Jesus' promises and Jesus' wisdom? Wouldn't that allow you to go back to sleep at night? Wouldn't that allow you to live with the serenity and the kind of trust that Psalm 46 talks about and so many other scriptures point to so that we can live in God's presence all the moments of our days? Jesus reminds us that the light shines in the darkness. No darkness is too great for Jesus' light. Jesus reminds us that all will be well and all manner of things will be well. We want to breathe that in. What if in these days we each commit to some increased effort, to sitting at Jesus' feet, at daily prayer, at Some regular, even if it's minimal practice of reading Scripture and getting started in prayer and Scripture together. We have a new opportunity coming up, and you'll be hearing more about it. It's called Second Course, where we're going to set up all around the city weekly Bible studies and fellowship and prayer where all of us can connect at some point for faith and fellowship and the rhythm of discipleship. Watch for news about that. What if we strive to open our hearts to the presence and the promises of Jesus, not just the persistent chatter of the world? What if we learn some hymns, some words to hymns, because they're so wonderful? Or what if we bookmarked on our computer some of these wonderful websites that remind us of the faithfulness of God amidst the frenzy of our lives? What if... What if, when we're talking about, say, the health care laws and changes, and what if we pause and what if we listen to ourselves and we ponder? Are my words really reflecting the words and spirit of Jesus? Are they? What if we seek to be shaped in God's ways of love and care and formed in the ways of Jesus and how Jesus would have us live? Wouldn't that lead to ongoing transformation of our lives you know what? That's what Jesus cares most about, the transformation of our lives, so that the world can be transformed toward the kingdom of God. What if when we find ourselves thinking and talking about the Trayvon Martin case, we actually paused and made sure we we're talking as disciples? That case generates questions about our justice system, and our laws. Maybe the laws worked, but maybe they're not the best. That case promotes fear and uncertainty among many, many people. The verdict reminds us that we can do better. We can do better as a society that stands for liberty and justice for all. See, to sit at Jesus' feet is what moves us from worry and distraction to faith and to focus. God has plans for us. Indeed, we belong to God. We have work to do as God's people in this city and in this world. Let's listen and discern. And then let's give energy, faithful energy, to all the tasks and all the places that God is calling us to do. The significant work that we're called to be about as God's people at Second Presbyterian Church. We need significant time in Mary's posture in order to be formed and transformed as disciples for these days, this city, this world. How are you doing? You've probably heard the story that Stephen Covey tells to encourage us in life. He says, suppose you come upon somebody working feverishly in the woods and they're trying to saw down a tree and you stop and you say, what are you doing? person says, can't you see? I'm trying to cut down this tree. Well, you look exhausted. How long have you been at it? Well, over five hours I've been doing this. I'm beat. This is hard work. Well, why don't you take a break for a few minutes and sharpen that saw? I'm sure it would go much faster if you did that. I don't have time to sharpen my saw. I'm too busy sawing. We have trees to cut down. We do. We have God's work to do in this city and beyond. We're called to be a beacon of light and hope, of equality and justice, of peace and purpose. That's our calling. And we also have to keep being formed and transformed, shaped and sharpened and claimed. May we find a way Individually and together, toward life and discipleship, following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Join me in prayer. Holy Lord, move in our midst with the power of your Spirit. Claim us again. Shape us fully for the ways of following Jesus Christ the Lord. That is the way we seek to go. Amen.